Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, good morning. It's great to see you out today. We've survived the attack of the abominable snowman this week, and uh, I felt something very strange as I walked in. I haven't felt in a long time. It was warmth. That was really nice. Hopefully, um, it's great to see you back. One, um, somebody told me today, they said, we have not been out in several weeks, elderly couple here in our church, and I said, that's great. Let's make sure we're being safe, but it's, it's great to see us all back out on a lovely January day. You know, today, I don't know if you know, but today is a really big day in our country. Do you guys know today's a big day in our country? Do you know why it's a big day in our country? No, it's actually National Carrot Cake Day. So I've got a picture here. Um, this is probably a bad thing to put at the beginning of the sermon, right? Everyone's like, I love carrot cakes. One of my favorite. So make sure you bring a carrot cake tonight to your Super Bowl party or whatever you're joining it. No, it's obviously the Super Bowl, the Rams versus the Patriots. Any Patriots fans here in attendance today? Ushers, can we find these people? I think they're uh, in the wrong place today. But no, the Rams versus the Super Bowl. About 100 million people will be watching the Super Bowl, estimated about 25%, about 25 million actually watch for the commercials. Is anybody here going to watch it for the commercials? Okay, a few of you. Well, there's been some classic Super Bowl commercials over uh, the history of the, I think this is what, Super Bowl 50, 53, wow. Uh, we had Joe Green, the classic, the Steelers, a uh, great football player. He walks past the kid with a Coke, and the kid gives him his Coke, and Joe Green to- tosses him, and all these grown men cry at this commercial of Joe Green. Something a little less meaningful. Uh, you may remember the Snickers commercial where the guy actually turns into, remember this one? She turns into Betty White uh, until he has his Snickers, and then he reverts back. USA Today put out a top ten Funniest commercials of all time. I want to show you one uh, from Doritos. Maybe you remember this one from 2014. Hey, Christmas. Want to try out my time machine? It one's on Doritos. Sure. So now what? Got to put the whole bag in. Okay. Yes. It's really working, Jimmy. This is the greatest moment of my life. Get out of my yard. Jimmy, you're so old. It's the future! (laughs) So hopefully today we'll have some good memorable ones. But advertisements, we are constantly, especially on Super Bowl Sunday, reminded that we are bombarded by advertisements. Now the goal of advertisements is this, they have a very short window and they're paying millions of dollars uh, today to try to get your attention and to be memorable. But it's not just on Super Bowl Sunday that we're bombarded by advertisements, companies trying to get our attention. This is a constant throughout our everyday life. In fact, it's estimated that every single person in our country will see between 4,000 to 10,000 ads every single day. That every single day, you see somewhere between 4,000 to 10,000 advertisements 
that are trying to get your attention. In 1970, the best estimate was that it was around 500 ads a day. So if you think about that, in a short period of 40 50 years, we've gone from seeing about 500 advertisements a day trying to get your attention to show you a product that you should want or you should need to now 4,000 to 10,000. There are endless distractions trying to get your attention. Not just on Super Bowl Sunday, every single day of your life, there are countless things that are trying to get you to look their way. And this is brain overload, isn't it? We are constantly overwhelmed by this. The great golfer, who apparently was also a philosopher, Tom Kite, said, you can always find a distraction if you're looking for one. You can always find a distraction if you're looking for one. But the truth now, really, is even if you're not looking for one, there are a lot of things that can get your attention. Well, today we're wrapping up our series on one thing about God asking, what do you want? What is it that you are after this year and in life and that God has a plan for us? And we talked a couple weeks ago about forgetting what's behind, pressing on. And then last week, uh, David LeLang's message was just so good. Uh, Some of those stories have been so powerful about how you're one thing God has sent you out and that you were to be a blessing to others. Anybody bless somebody this week, I hope? Uh, Jacqueline and I went out for lunch. It was her birthday, and there was a uh, after the service, and there was a lady sitting there by herself. And I said, "Jacqueline, we're going to bless this lady with lunch." And so we decided that, and and we were doing it. But I noticed they kept bringing more and more courses of food to her appetizer, and then the main course arrived, and it was lobster and steak. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, we already told the waiter we're blessing this lady." So anyway, we blessed this lady a little more than we thought we were going to, but. Um, Good for her, and we'll let the Lord do what the Lord wants from that. But hopefully you've been in a process of of blessing others. Well, today, if you haven't noticed, today what we're going to talk about is distractions. So, so many times, hey, we have a goal, we know what we want from the Lord, but it is just so easy to become distracted. Our anchor verse for the sermon today comes from the Gospel of Luke Chapter 10, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, a very familiar passage here, the story of Mary and Martha. And we're going to start in verse 38 and read uh, a couple verses. Let's hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So here we have Jesus come into this village and a woman named Martha opens her home up to Jesus. We would say that's a good thing. Perhaps Martha's one thing was hospitality. That's a great thing. So Jesus and his disciples, we don't know how many people were with Jesus, but, but probably uh, at least his disciples and a few was fairly a large crowd. And Martha doesn't have the benefit of Kroger or a grocery store, and she has a lot of work to do to make sure that she honors the cultural tradition of hospitality. And this is a lot of work. And I think probably the majority of us uh, can empathize with Martha. We see that she is doing something great 
for Jesus she's welcoming, but then she has a sister named Mary. What's interesting, uh, the word distraction actually comes from the 15th hundreds. And it means a pulling apart, a separating, a drawing of the mind in different directions. So when the gospel story here says that Martha was distracted, she welcomes Jesus in. But she is pulled apart by the amount of work and preparation that has to be made to feed Jesus. Can I tell you a truth that I really believe? Many times the enemy of our souls doesn't need to destroy us. He simply needs to distract us. We are so much more likely to get off track than we are necessarily to go on the wrong track. And if we're talking about 4,000 to 10,000 ads we see every day, it is so easy for us to become distracted, to become pulled away. So here's my question for you. What is your biggest distraction? What is the thing that so easily just pulls you off quickly in a different direction? You may know where you want to go. You may know your one thing. But what is that distraction that can just so quickly get you off track? Well, I think probably for most of us, we might say it's our mobile phone. We get notifications of good things, Bible verses. My phone notified me that I turned off Bluetooth, so my tile's not working. Seems important, I guess. But we get constantly notified on our phone, distractions. Beep, need to look at our phone, need to look down, we need to look away. It's the average person picks up their phone every 12 minutes now. And that's only getting less and less and less. Now the average time that a person spends on social media every day is two hours. This isn't texting, this isn't uh, email, this isn't Netflix, this isn't whatever other things we're doing. This is just on social media. So what we can say, high school, middle school students, that if that holds true over your life, you're probably going to spend about seven years of your life on social media. That's almost 10% of an average lifespan that we spend going onto our phones, checking in, and in and, and some ways living for the likes we are liking and see what's going on. And so here we have this theme that we are constantly distracted and pulled apart. And Paul writes here, and he says in 1 Corinthians 7.35, he says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And so distractions are not always a bad thing. God sometimes can use uh, uh, things in our life for that. But when we think about what's going on in our own world, how was it that we're being distracted apart from our one thing? Uh, back in October, I just realized how much of my life was spent on Twitter. And I love Twitter. I love scrolling through. I love reading. I love clicking the links and going through this. But I had this realization, like, what am I doing? Where, where's it, where am I going with this? What, how is this being productive in my life? How am I moving forward to my goals when something like an app, like a social media, I find myself just constantly going through? Well, that's lovely. That's going on. So I stopped looking at Twitter on my phone. 
Can I tell you, I don't like my phone as much as I used to. It's not as exciting. It's not something that I enjoy as much. But do you know in those months since I took Twitter off my phone, I've, I've accomplished a lot more. In fact, a friend said, you know what, you'd be good at this professional license in your spare time. And so in the two months since, completed an online course of 96 hours, I'm going to take a state exam this week as something I can do in my spare time. We all have spare time, but the question is, what is sucking us in and keeping us from going after our one thing? And as I mentioned, it, distractions are not always a bad thing. Technology isn't a bad thing. In fact, it can be used for good. It can be used for harm. Some ways we can say the same about money. Uh, I love in the second service, there's a gentleman there who will post one line from a hymn. And then the next thing you've got, he's got 47 comments of people who put the next line from a hymn. And it goes on and on and on and won't stop. Like, distractions are not always bad things. Technology isn't necessarily a bad thing. But if it is pulling you away from what God wants to do in your life, choose God's way and let the distractions go away. So Martha here is distracted. And let's find out why. Luke chapter 10, verse 40, 42. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Some actually manuscripts say only one thing, which fits the sermon series better. So let's just say that, uh, if I can do that. Um, So Jesus here says, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. Martha's distracted because Mary is not helping her, and it doesn't seem fair. My guess is probably in your family of origin, if you had siblings, there's probably somebody who's a Martha, and there's probably someone who's a Mary, and there probably was a lot of fighting. Maybe it's in your marriage as well. You feel like one person's a worker, and the other person just just seems to be lazy and sits at the feet of Jesus or does spiritual things or, or just gets off, and a lot of conflicts happen between Mary and Martha. And Martha here enlists Jesus, thinking surely Jesus will understand that, Mar- that Mary's not distracted by all the work that has to be done. I identified with Martha this week. Uh, on Wednesday during the cold snap, I uh, got a thing to make a huge pot of chili. And so I made this pot of chili, invited Jacqueline's parents over. I actually was here, though, working when they ate it. And I got home, and Jacqueline said to me, she said, Well, the comment was it wasn't the worst we'd eaten in our life. So I did a very spiritual thing, and I grabbed the bowl of chili, and I went up to my room and closed the door, and I'm like, I'm going to eat my bowl of chili in in, in quiet here. And I ate it. I'm like, you know what? This is actually pretty good. And I came back down. I said, Jacqueline, this chili is actually pretty good. And she's like, you realize your mother-in-law had to work really hard to get it to taste even that good. (laughs) So I'm sure you, none of you have pouted, but uh, I thought, man, Martha, I really identify with Martha. And you know what? I gotta be honest, they were right. It was not. How do you, I don't know how you mess up chili, but apparently you can, and apparently I did. 
But here in that moment, do you realize, hey, I'm working hard. I'm trying to do good. And it just didn't turn out right. We can identify with Martha. In fact, we want Jesus to identify with Martha. But Jesus doesn't. Why? Because he says there's a one thing that's more important. And what is that? Sitting at his feet. What Martha does not realize is that the meal's going to pass. This moment's going to pass. But what Jesus wants to do in their life will not pass. It will be eternal. It will be transformational. And it will go on and on. So here's the thing, guys. If we're getting distracted by four to 10,000 messages every day, ads every day, if you are not intentional, you will get distracted. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just naturally there's going to be a message that comes up that gets you and your attention goes off. Attention goes this way. You're going to be distracted unless you know your one thing. And that's my sadness at the end of the sermon series is that we're about to go into other things, which is good because we can't stay here forever. But to know that as you go, by the next time you come in, to this, uh, uh, come in for worship next Sunday, there will be 70,000 ads that some of you will see before you get back here. And it will be so easy for us to lose sight of what is that God-given one thing that we want to go after that we just get distracted and we don't go after our dreams. I'm afraid that us in this time in in human history, we will accomplish less than generations before us because we are more distracted than ever before. And as a people, I think Jesus is speaking to us and he is saying to us, what do you want? What distracts you? Get rid of it. Come and follow after me. Paul, who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, he is writing to the church at Galatia. And he is constantly in a battle that the early Christians were being distracted away from what was the gospel. And they were trying to put these restrictions on uh, uh, what had to happen in terms of circumcision. Did you have to have something external done to you that represented the internal transformation of the gospel? And he writes in Galatians 5, 6 through 8, For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision has any value. The only truth that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race, Paul says. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. What an image there. I think it's a beautiful image for distraction. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? To keep you from obeying the truth. Distractions are that image. I'm running the race. I know the direction I'm going. But suddenly I'm directed and cut off. So what distracts us? I think sometimes it could be a fear of missing out. We know where we're going. But something else sounds really exciting. Say the grass is greener on the other side. We're afraid that something better is going to come along and so we're constantly aware and we want to make sure that we're where we need to be and we have this fear of missing out. I mean, how much could we say in our own culture, politics distracts us from one side to the other and the constant, can you believe they said this? Can you believe that person said this? This is the evil, this is evil and we go back and forth and distract it. And what happens is that the things that are out of our control distract and keep us from what's doing, from doing what is in our control. 
these big, large, huge meta-narrative political stuff and stuff going on, it's, in some ways is out of our control. Yes, we want to vote. Yes, we want to be good citizens. But what happens is if, if it is keeping us from loving our neighbor, if it's keeping us from doing what's in our control, that is distracting us. And if I'm honest, sometimes I actually want to be distracted. Because I really, it takes hard work to go after what God has put in our hearts. It takes work. And I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I can wait till the very last possible second. I can procrastinate to get things done. And I like distractions. Come on. Is there anything else I can be distracted by? So I don't have to do what I know I need to be doing. There was a story of um, a race in Alabama. And uh, the, the race was going on. And uh, and the starting line was there, and a woman let out her dog at the starting line to go to the bathroom. And this old bloodhound was lazy, was two and a half years old. And the bloodhound saw the activity outside its fence, and it actually got out of its fence, and this bloodhound joined the race. It was a half marathon. And this bloodhound, Lodevine, jumps into the race, and it keeps running. And two miles in, there's a dead animal. I'm going to show you a picture of Ludovine. There's a dead animal on the side of the road. I know that may not seem like a distraction to us, but to a two-year-old bloodhound, there may not be a bigger distraction than that. Well, Ludovine jumps and starts smelling it as the runners keep running by. But then it jumps back in the race. It keeps running. And then there's some cows out in the field that are dancing. And Ludovine goes and runs and joins that. And... Um, Starts dancing with the cows. But Ludovine comes back in the race. It keeps running. This lazy bloodhound. We've got a few pictures of it in the race. And it keeps running. And do you know it ran and it finished seventh? (laughs) It finished seventh in the half marathon. I don't know if you can see it up there running. (laughs) Near the front. The owner was, again, so shocked when she found out about her dog, who she said is a lazy old bloodhound. But this dog overcame the distractions and ran the race and finished seventh. Friends, if Ludovine can do it, so can we. So can we. But it's not just Ludovine who's our example. But Jesus is also our example. If there was anybody on this earth, on this planet, that could have been distracted, it was Jesus. Talk about drama and his relationships, he had them. You talk about, you talk about things going on around him, spiritual pressure, Jesus had them. You talk about the things going on, the politics of his day, Jesus faced those distractions. But Jesus knew his one thing. And his one thing was to bring back humanity and creation that was separated from God. And to restore them into relationship with God. And Jesus let nothing distract him. Just a few minutes, we're going to take communion. That's where the servers were going to get ready. 
And if you think about Good Friday, if you think about the night before on Jesus' arrest, as they celebrated the Last Supper, there was plenty of distractions that could have kept Jesus from going after his goal. One person who sat at the table was going to betray him. He was about to be separated from his father. He was about to take on the sin of everyone of all time. But Jesus refused to be distracted. And he came to this table that we sang about. And he took it because he refused to be distracted. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he poured it. And he said, This is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus, who knew his one thing, refused to be distracted. And he is our example. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles, there's your distraction. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has set down at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus is our example, and he has prepared a feast for us today. That's why we call it the Lord's Supper. Because he offers us his body and he says, take and eat, won't you? And he offers us his blood and he says, take and drink, won't you? Jesus gives us his life so that we may be transformed and will follow after him. Would you join me in prayer today? Jesus, if anybody had reason to be distracted, it was you. But you, Father, took Or you, Jesus, took the bread and you took the cup and you offered yourself for us that we might find life in you. God, I pray for my friends here today. Pray for myself today who are so easily distracted. May we find life in you. May we find focus in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pass the elements if you'll take the bread today. Take the cup today and hold it, and we'll take it together in just a moment. Well, Jesus invites us to his feast today that he has prepared himself, his body and his blood, broken and shed for us, that we may experience communion, connection, and peace with God. The body of Christ, broken for us. Friends, the blood of Christ shed for us. God, it is with gratitude we say thank you that you have given us yourself, your life, your blood, and your body. We receive your feast and everything your cross has purchased for us today. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We now transition to time of invitation. Perhaps you'd say today, 
I don't really know Jesus. I'm not following him, but I want to make a commitment. I'd love somebody to pray with me today. We'd invite you forward this time as we sing another song. It's a time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or perhaps you say, you know what? These distractions have got me so far off track, I don't even know which way I'm going. You're welcome to come. We have ministers that would love to pray with you. Maybe you feel God is calling you to join this church. We welcome you at this time. So we stand together. Well, our hope and prayer today is that you've experienced the love and power of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Pray for uh, Chip and Don as they return from California this week. He'll be back next Sunday. His first day in the office will be a week from uh, this uh, upcoming Monday. Well, as you go into a world of distraction, may you have a singular focus, knowing who you are and whose you are. And may God do great things as we go after our one thing. Go be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.